This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The Leafs are good. The Jays are good. The Raptors are good. Everybody's good. It's a great time to be a Toronto sports fan. Now, the Blue Jays are headed to the playoffs, and there's no reason to believe that they won't be there next season either. Vladdy Jr., Bo Bichette, and Jordan Romano are the core that's going to keep Toronto good for a long, long time. The Leafs arguably have the best player in the planet on the planet in Austin Matthews, though Edmonton fans may argue that. Uh, and the Raptors have a solid young core, including the 2021-2022 Rookie of the Year, Scotty Barnes. Both the Leafs and the Raptors are projected playoff teams and are expected to be good for a long time as well. Now, Toronto FC, they're going to miss the MLS playoffs this season, but an entire year of Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernadeschi will make a huge difference. The future is looking very, very bright. This time next year, we should be talking about TFC in the MLS Cup. Now, I don't remember a time that all four major teams were having any kind of success all at once. Now, I say major because the Toronto Argonauts and the CFL don't count. Now, there were times that they all sucked. But Toronto, it's fair to say that the dark days of Toronto sports have faded. On any given night, Toronto fans can be proud to support their team. They also know that there's a good chance that, well, their favorite team is probably going to win that game. Now, the Buffalo Bills, they aren't from Toronto, but Bills Mafia has entrenched itself into the GTA in southern Ontario, not in my house. But if you are one of those people from Toronto that it consider the Bills an extension of Toronto sports, that's five teams you can be extremely confident in. So soak it in, Toronto. It's been a long time since it's been this much fun to cheer for teams from the six. You know, the NFL had the chance to do the right thing. I believe that the NFL was going to be on the right side of history for the first time ever. Fortunately, the NFL did what the NFL does. The impact that they've had on Toronto FC, it, it's undeniable. I understand that you have to defend your quarterback. I understand that you just can't come out and, you know, say, well, you know, we don't want Deshaun anyways. I understand. I get it. I have to do this because I have to appreciate it. Yes, and we're back. Welcome to Race Sports Rant. I'm Ray Rowden. and I'm sitting in that sports director's chair for the Dean Blundell Network at DeanBlundell.com. Thanks, everybody, who's tuning in, and make sure that you hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and never miss an episode of Ray Sports Rant. You can also find tons and tons of great spots, great sports content over at DeanBlundell.com. Make sure that you give me a follow over at, at DPN underscore Ray and make sure that you give us a follow on the Dean Blundell Network over at the Blundell Net. 
Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today will be a Dean Blundell contributor, both a podcaster and a blogger, Griff Borgenon. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Griffin B. Follow him on TikTok at Griff Sports Talk. And of course, he is the host of the YWC Football Talk podcast. We're going to be talking a little bit of Toronto Maple Leafs and a little bit of hockey tonight. So let's get this show started because What's going on, Griff? It's Monday. That intro got me fired up. NFL's back. Hockey's right around the corner. Training camp's actually open this week. Rookie camps, rookie tournaments. If you're a sports fan, this is one of the best times of the year. So I started off this episode talking about how great of a time it is right now to be a Toronto sports fan. Now, I'm going to put a full disclosure up for everybody. I'm not what you consider a big Toronto sports fan. Like, I'm not really a Blue Jay fan. I'm definitely not a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I'm a Raptors fan. I'm a TFCs fan. But I'm, and I'm definitely not a Buffalo Bills fan, but I'm very, so I'm very neutral in those stands. However, I cover it for the net worth of Dean Blundell Network. So I'm very entrenched in what's going on with all those teams. And it's an exciting time. Now, I got into that, that piece at the beginning because I read this. So I want to read it to you and then I want to get your opinion, right? But this came from Fan Sided. It was called The Toronto Maple Leafs and the Blue Jays are great at the same time. And here's, here's just a really quick excerpt. It says, There has never been a time to be a f- better time to be a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs currently possess the two best players in the history of their franchise and their absolute primes. They are entering this season with the best roster in the NHL and as Stanley Cup favorites. Like the Leafs, the Blue Jays also have two of the best players in their history of their franchise and Vladdy and Bichette. Although, thanks to Paul Molitor, Ricky Henderson, Roy Halladay, and Roger Clemens, Jose Batista, and Roberto Alomar, the J-Stars can't claim to be the best the franchise ever had. It's a fun time to be a Toronto sports fan because even the Raptors are pretty good. Ultimately, winning in hockey and baseball comes down to much more than just assembling the best roster. You also have to get a little lucky. You must avoid injuries, luck-based slumps, and get lucky with the teams that you have to face in the playoffs. But I want to turn to you because I do know that you are a big Toronto sports fan. Is this the best time in your sports fandom that you have looked at all the major teams, TFC, the Raptors, the Blue Jays, the Leafs? Is this the best time? to be a Toronto sports fan in my lifetime, hundred percent. I think some people that are older could argue 19, like the early nineties when obviously the Leafs had Doug Gilmore, et cetera. And the blue Jays went back to back 92, 93. But right now you, you've never seen this before where Toronto FC is hype. Toronto Raptors have been a consistent winner for almost 10 years. Now that's something that's really hard to do, especially in the association Leafs are the Leafs. I know they have their playoff struggles. I know their playoff fuckups. You know what? They're always in the conversation. And for the Blue Jays to be good, it's good for the city. Why? Because unlike the Leafs, the other three teams, which I've noticed you, you only like teams in red, um, all three of the four teams need to win to get fans in the building. When the Raptors sucked like 10, 15 years ago, barely filled 15,000 people inside Scotiabank Arena. Jays, if right now they were like where the LA Angels were, there'd be probably under 20,000 at Rogers Center. And TFC, I was there for the dark days. I was there for the biggest glory days. You have no idea how much it's meant to me. I was there December 9th, 2017, when they beat Seattle for MLS Cup. That's one of the greatest sports memories of my life. That and the 2016 Star Conference Finals. But to answer your question, if you are in Toronto and you love sports as much as I do, what a time to be alive. 
Now, I know that some of the older folks are going to argue about 92, 93. You had the Leafs, you had Gilmore's, or you had Gretzky's high stick on Gilmore, brought them close to, you know, going to the Stanley Cup finals, where ultimately they would have played the Montreal Canadiens and would probably would have lost because the yeah. Canadiens just seemed destined to win the Cup that season. And I understand the Blue Jays winning at 92, winning at 93. First time a World Series has been won in Canada, back to back. Joe Carter, touch them all. I've heard them all, but I got into a big debate with some of these, what I'm calling now boomers. And that goes out to you. You too, Mr. Dean Blondell, who were telling we were discussing one of the best moments in Blue Jays history. And I was saying there are 30-year-old people who weren't born when Joe Carter hit that massive home run to win the World Series. So I'm like, I understand that for you, that was the biggest moment. But if it's all because, you know, and the, and the argument was that literally won a championship, well, that means the greatest Maple Leafs moment had to have come from 1967 and before and i don't want to hear anybody who's 50 years old now talking about anything past 1967 right because the greatest moments isn't what they accomplished but what it means to you my art my greatest moment ever was a nothing game it was april 9th 2008 2008 2009 i always get the day the the, the year wrong detroit tigers Toronto Blue Jays, April 9th, Griff, on a year that the Toronto Blue Jays didn't go to the playoffs. This game meant nothing. But my one of my top five favorite athletes of all time is Roy Halladay. And I watched Roy Halladay walk out to the mound and pitch 10 innings of one-run baseball. And the Blue Jays went 2-1 on an Alex Rios home run in extra innings. But the greatest moment of my sporting life was when Roy Halladay took the mound for the 10th inning. I went absolutely ballistic that Halladay was pitching 10 innings in that game. So it's all subjective. So you know what, dude? There were no TFC. There was no Raptors in 93. You weren't around for the 92-93 championship. So fuck those boomers that are going to tell you that was the best time to be a Toronto sports fan because you're talking about the four major sports and even the pretend sport Toronto Argos who have a chance to go to the playoffs this year. Uh, this is a fucking fantastic time to be a Toronto sports fan. The only thing I'll say about the Argos though is that the Eastern Conference does suck. So that is a very, very slim shot because for some reason they in the CFL West can play West in the final. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, well, the CFL sucks. So let's I get know. into our next subject here. Okay, so I saw this one today. It came from Leafs Nation. It said the impact of Murray and Samsonov tandem on the Leafs. I know we discussed the goalkeepers last week, but as I was doing my research for today's show, the goaltender issue continues to keep coming up. So as long as it's still an issue, we're still going to talk about it. Maybe some people missed last week's episode when we had Griff on. So we'll keep talking about it until people tell us to stop, Griff. So it doesn't matter what we want to do. Here's what the article said real quickly, though. It's a Kyle Dubas of the Leafs' new goalie tandem of Matt Murray and Eli Samsonov. Quote, they're both young enough that we'll give them the runway here and see if they can become the long-term solution in net, end quote. Now, there will be many questions that the 2022-2023 Leafs will need to answer, but few are more important to this. Will the new tandem be enough to unearth postseason success, or will the same fate rear its ugly head? It's far too premature to make any bold assumptions before either player or either plays their first game donning the blue and white, but we can review their recent track record and make an educated guess on what we may expect from them in the coming campaign. So I hear a lot from Leafs fans, from the Leafs media, from you know hockey pucks all over Canada 
that, yeah, you might have Austin Matthews. Yeah, you may have Mitch Marner. Yeah, you got John Tavares. Yeah, you've got a solid defense. Yeah, you've got all these players. Yeah, you're probably not even going to play players who should be playing because your roster's so deep. And yet, they're all saying you're not going to get past the first round because you don't have goaltending. We've talked about how this is probably Kyle Dubas putting his future on the line going with these two keepers. They have not been able to address the goaltender position. I guess, let me just start. Give me your overall assessment of Matt Murray and Eli Samsonoff and how you feel going into this season with them between the pipes for the Maple Leafs. Fun fact, which starts one month from tonight. Tonight is September 12th, October 12th. Things kick off in Montreal against the Canadians. But with this goaltending tandem, there's arguably more pressure on Matt Murray than Samsonov. Samsonov is just here on a bet-on-yourself contract. He he had a bad falling out in Washington. It didn't really work out. He was a former first overall pick from 2015. And then Matt Murray, obviously, he's the reclamation project. We did touch on this last week about him having more of a mental hurdles to overcome than actually physical hurdles. Because last year, in his few stints with Ottawa, he wasn't terrible. It's just the only thing is going to be is if Jack Campbell thrives in Edmonton and Matt Murray stumbles in Toronto, you're going to get the pundits, you're going to get the fans barking, saying, why didn't you re-sign Campbell? I know Campbell's a couple of years older, but Jack Campbell was that steady backbone and net. Now, with the Leafs' struggles in the playoffs recently, I'm not going to focus on 2013 because that's a bit of an outlier because the next three seasons were just miserable. Goaltending has never truly cost them in the playoffs. You can't look at one exact moment and go, yep, that was the goaltender's fault. Even the last two years... 3-2 series blown lead against Tampa and then 3-1 against Montreal. You can't look at any of those and pinpoint them to Jack Campbell. Now with the Matt Murray-Samsonov tandem, I've always been on Team Samsonov. I think he's going to be the starter by the end of the year. He's going to be the guy that comes in and surprises. He's going to wow people. I don't think people are expecting too much from him, from him. And when you have someone with their back against the wall and nothing to lose, sometimes it works for the best. To quote Toronto Raptors captain, uh, yeah, that's why I'm saying, Captain, because he's the leader of the team right now. Fred Van Vliet, bet on yourself. <laughs> um, okay, so I let me go into a different direction, then I'll bring it back here because I want to stay on on the goaltender um, conversation. You wrote a piece last week about you know a long shot future for the Vesna, and you wrote it on former Maple Leafs goalie, um, Fred, Fred, not Freddie Anderson, um, Frederick, Frederick Anderson, and. You know, you talked about his first year in Carolina and how, you know, he was very salt in the pipe. Yet a lot of Leafs fans I talk to all blame him for their, you know, playoff elimination. And you're like, hey, man, you can't blame the goalkeeping. Are we talking about Freddie or are we, is this pre, post? What What's going on? Why, why, why have the Leafs been playing this carousel with keepers? I guess I'll throw on the table. Freddie kind of had his time come to an end in Toronto. You know when it just it's one of those things when you know a certain player is leaving, kind of like what happened to Kyle Lowry last year in Toronto where we didn't want him to go, but at the end of the day, everyone knew deep down probably, you know what, he's going to go somewhere else. I never blamed Freddie for anything in the playoffs when it came to like the 2018, 2019 season. I don't say 17 because, look, they went toe-to-toe with the Capitals, who were one of the elite teams in the league at the time. Meanwhile, with 18 and 19, it was stupid coaching decisions by Mike Babcock that cost him. If you look at this, if you look at the game seven, I believe it's in 2019, Patrick Marlowe played more than Austin Matthews in the third period. Yes, folks, that's a true statement. And this is also a take I have about that as well, is that Mike Babcock should have been fired after 18-19. Kyle Dubas didn't have the balls to do it, waited and got an escape goal fire. Now, with Frederick Anderson in my article, why I like him. It's the same reason why I love Igor Shosurkin to win the Vezina last year, because he's a guy that has the potential. 
He has the team around him. Carolina is one of the elite teams in the NHL. I'm going to write a piece about this soon, but if you haven't already yet, they're a great team to place a futures bet on for the Stanley Cup this year. Why? The additions they've made in the offseason, they don't have a lot of players making over $10 million, if any. But with Carolina and Freddie, if he can truly just be the backbone, steal the number one job, and be a huge reason to why Carolina can either, I don't know, win the Metro, maybe win the President's Trophy, his name's going to be in the hat. Like my, like my His name's going to be in the hat, like the hat logo that I'm wearing right now. Nashville, UC Saros did something very similar in Nashville last year and ended up being top three in voting with Jacob Markstrom and Igor Shesterkin as well. And even Jacob Markstrom, the wheels did fall off in the playoffs against Edmonton. I think he was a little banged up. But with Freddie Anderson, look, he's got nothing to lose. Carolina has a great defense in front of him. And sometimes, you know what, that can clear mistakes. So if Freddie can go out there, you know what, on those nights when the defense and the forwards aren't exactly producing and just shut the door, the hockey writers are going to notice. So let's go back to a comment you made. You said if Jack Campbell thrives in Edmonton, Edmonton, right? Edmonton or Calgary? Yeah, Edmonton. Edmonton. If he thrives in Edmonton, of course, he's going there with Connor McDavid. Again, I, I alluded to it at the beginning of the show, what people would probably argue, at least in Edmonton, that he's the greatest player in the NHL. Uh, they have a solid team in front of them. They had a good playoff run last year, got through, I mean, you know, made work of Calgary, I think, in six games. Uh, if he has a good year with Edmonton, five games, I apologize. If he has a good year in Edmonton, if they move forward and they're successful and the goaltending just doesn't work in Toronto, can Dubas survive that? That's probably going to be the big nail in the coffin because if Jack Campbell can go out there and basically have the same season he had last year, rib injury aside, and Matt Murray shits the bed, it's you're looking at it like, okay, you paid – you're literally they Edmonton literally played um, Jack Campbell three hundred thousand dollars more. Matt Murray's making about four point seven. Jack Campbell's only making five million dollars a year. Now I think it was more term than anything else, and for some reason Dubis just didn't want to give Jack the big money contract. But going back to your original point, if Jack Campbell starts to thrive, even if it's because of Connor and Leon, because those two can steal the game at any time, it's like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and the Angels. It'll make Jack Campbell look good. Now, meanwhile, if Matt Murray goes out there night one and loses to a Montreal team who claims to be on the other side of a rebuild, but I don't believe they are yet. They still have a few years to go. It's going to look really bad. It's going to look at why didn't you go with what you know? And because Dubas also has this horrible habit, too, of signing guys who played in the Sioux. Matt Murray played in the Sioux. Matt Murray had his two seasons of success. But sometimes, you know what, goaltenders take a while to blossom in the NHL. Jordan Bennington's a perfect example. Jack Campbell's another perfect example. Matt Murray may have been one of those guys that hit his peak a little bit too, too early. We see it a lot in the NFL where there's guys who have a couple of hot seasons and then you snap your fingers and they're gone, like a Le'Veon Bell, for example. But this is something that, look, everyone's going to go right away. Jack Campbell gets off to a 5-0 and start. Matt Murray has a 2-3 and start and say with a goals against average of like 2.7. Everyone's going to be pointing the finger to Dubas. This is like one of those seasons where now I truly believe it's a now or never season for this team. That's why I believe, especially too, because next year, and I see your upcoming comment, it's all about the Matthews extension next offseason. Yeah, so this comes from the hockey writers, and they said the Maple Leafs need to split up Matthews and Marner. And this, I'll give you an excerpt of what they wrote. It said, I know what I would do this offseason before training camp starts if I were the, uh, the Maple Leafs management. I'd bring the team's on-ice leadership group together for a full-day planning session. This group would include players like John Tavares, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Morgan Riley, Jack Muzzin, Mark Giordano, and maybe William Nylander. I fucking nailed those names, eh? Fucking yeah. all of them. Good for me. And or a representative name uh, by the players themselves. Uh, the key question would be whether to split up Matthews and Marner. 
The reason I bring this up is to forward a team-based discussion I think is overdue. That question focuses on whether Matthews and Marner should be split up, giving each, each other player their own line to drive, and I think they should. Last season, the Edmonton Oilers split up Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl? Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl. Fucking look at that. I'm on fire today. And the playoffs results were strong. Uh, even with suspect goaltending and a ton less talent than the Maple Leafs, the Oilers' postseason success was higher than most expected. Part of that had to do with moving McDavid and Drassidle, whatever, to the different lines. Um, so I'm going to ask you, because I know fucking nothing about this. Um, didn't even know that Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner played together. Everybody knows I'm just getting back into hockey. I haven't watched hockey since 2009. So fucking relax, everybody. But I'm covering it now. That's why I have Griff. He walks me through it by midseason. I'll be in midseason form. I'm in camp right now. I'm in camp, Griff. I'm learning about hockey again. Um, but you know what I mean? So, but I, I know enough about hockey from the past. That's, it can be very risky to split up, you know, a good line. I think of the McCabe Robert Sundin line. And when Pat Quinn decided to split that up to give them a little bit more firepower and they got swept to the Buffalo Sabres. So I'm going to ask you, should the Leafs split up Matthews and Marner? I'm kind of split on this, honestly, because they play well together. That line last year of, Matthews, Warner, and Michael Bunting worked very well. Michael Bunting, very underrated signing by the Leafs. Two years, $850,000. He's one of the Dubas flyer guys that Dubas took a chance on. And Michael Bunting was a guy who produced. So if you're going to split them up, I would keep Matthews and Bunting together and put Marner back with Tavares. Because I want you to go back and look at this rain, the 18-19 season. Marner played with Zach Hyman and John Tavares, and it was a very similar dynamic where Zach Hyman would do all the dirty work, get all the pucks in the corner, and get the puck out to those guys, and basically have them shoot and score. But with last year, though, and this is a very underrated thing, Mitch Marner, from basically the New Year's Day onward, had a hell of a stretch. He finally showed that, like, he is that guy. He is that elite, elite player. I know he's taken a lot of flack for playoff performance. But in all honesty, the more I think about it, you can try it. But sometimes if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like even in the playoffs last year, it's always looked at sometimes, oh, it was like Matthews Marner line that didn't produce in the bubble. But then last year, it was the third and fourth line. It's something that a lot of teams are trying to figure out that in the playoffs to win, you don't always need superstars. You need the grinders to produce when it matters most. Tampa does it perfectly. The Rangers this year. I want you to go back and look at the 20. I'm giving you homework. I'm giving this my boss at the Deep Blood Down Network homework. Go look at the kid line from the Rangers in last season's postseason because those guys put in work. Now, with Matthews and Marner, ultimately, when you're thinking about it, I'm sitting on it. I'm going to go no. So, like I said, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Matthews and Marner, Bunting should be the number one line. It's just trying to figure out now what to do with Nylander and Johnny on the second line. So one thing that I've been reading a whole lot about, I wrote down kid line Rangers postseason. So I will go check that out. Yeah. One thing I've been reading a lot about, and just so everybody knows, I went back and I watched uh, the the Leafs playoff series, the entire series. Well, I, I watched extended highlights of the entire series uh, against Tampa, right? Was it Tampa they played? Yeah. Yes, Tampa, it was. Tampa. Yes. See? And they look great game one, by the way. I was like, oh. I watched. I watched game one and I was like, how the fuck did they lose this series? Oh my God. But I've been reading a lot about John Tavares and 
a common theme that's popping up is, is he's on the downside of his contract. He's on the downside of his career. Uh, the Leafs never got what they needed out of him at the right time. They never put the right team around him. Do you believe that Tavares is on the downside of his career? Or are you expecting him to contribute mightily to the Toronto Maple Leafs this year? I don't think he's on the downside of his career, but I do think that, yeah, was the deal worth it? We don't know financially. Like financially, I'd to lean towards no. But when it came to signing him, I think the Leafs, you needed him. You needed to bring in that veteran voice. You needed that. And I know they had Jason Spezza and now they have Giordano who are veterans on very cheap contracts, but you needed that guy. It's like why the Ottawa Senators went out and signed Claude Giroux this offseason. You need that voice. You need that, like, you know, guy who's got experience, little, little grit, not grit grinder, but little, little dirt on his shoulders, little veteran presence. Um, but I'm going to say this with Johnny. It's leave the kids to produce. Leave Matthews, leave Marner, leave Nylander. Let those guys produce. Tavares is there more to be leadership. It's just Johnny's got to score when it counts. He just can't sit back and be like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm the captain of this and this. That's what I was getting before when I said with, like, how Tampa, Colorado, and New York did so well in the playoffs last year was because of the third and fourth lines. Even you can give Edmonton some credit to that as well. But with Johnny, I'm not looking at this year. It's next year. 23-24 is that season where he's got two years left on his deal. And then after that, who knows what happens. But I do still think that there is a chance that you could see him potentially give back the C in case they need to do it for contract leverage with Matthews. Because I'm telling you folks right now, starting July 1st, 2023, that's all you're going to hear about in Toronto. The Leafs could get off to a 33-0 start in the 23-24 season. You're going to hear nothing but, oh, but Matthews hasn't signed yet. I'm just warning you about that right now, Leafs Nation. All right, going to go really quickly to another Canadian team, as we will every week. We'll talk about the Leafs primarily for our Toronto audience. We'll take another team. And I picked this story because it interested me the most. Number one, my own man's a Canadian fan, so I'm very familiar with the Canadians. Number two, historic team. When I think of captains of the Montreal Canadiens, I think of Saku Koivu from my time. I think of Jean Beliveau. I think of you know Rocket Richard. I think of Guy Carboneau. I think of Bob Gainey. Big, big names in the world of hockey. Game well. Gee was never a captain. Oh. Yeah, look, I told you something about hockey. Look at me. Listen, pre-2009, I know my shit, all right? <laughs> Anything post-2009, I don't know. Uh, fan side, I put this out today, said the Canadians named Nick Suzuki their 31st captain in team history, which is, you know, pretty crazy when you think about it. The Canadians have been around for over 100 years, and this is only their 31st captain in history. Here's a little excerpt. So the Montreal Canadiens have named Nick Suzuki captain heading into the 2022-2023 season. Suzuki, 23 years old, is the 31st captain in Canadians history and the youngest they've ever had appointed. He takes the honor from Shea Weber, who wore the C in Montreal for four years but missed all all of last season due to injuries. Weber was dealt to the Vegas Golden Knights this offseason. Montreal acquired Suzuki from the Vegas Golden Knights in 2018 in a trade that sent Max Pacioretty, Montreal's captain, for three years the other way. Suzuki made the all-rookie team during his debut season with the Canadians in 2018-19. He established himself as Montreal's top center with 149 points in 203 games. Suzuki signed an eight-year, $63 million extension that's set to kick in this coming season. And I kind of remember that because somebody played a little joke on them. I think it was Carolina who who put in a, a, an offer sheet just to screw with Montreal because Montreal did the same thing to them for somebody else. Um, how surprised were you, though, that Montreal 
known for not necessarily giving their best player the captainship, but usually their most season, their most leadership, giving this 23-year-old kid the captain because he could be cap. He could beat Saku Koivu now, who is who has the record for being the longest-serving captain of Montreal um, ever. He could do that at only 23 years old. What are your thoughts on Suzuki getting that historic honor of being the captain of the Montreal Canadiens? I don't like the decision just because I think they should have gone with someone like a Brandon Gallagher, for example, someone who's been there, someone who's established himself, even though he is a pest on the ice. He's been there for a while. He's been a leader in the room or even a Josh Anderson. But I feel like with this, it's kind of Montreal showing that, hey, we're moving into a new regime. We know there's going to be pain ahead. It's like how I said last week with Montreal saying, look, this year, take the year off. Because when you look at the Atlantic, the Atlantic is honestly one of the most stacked divisions in hockey. Um, But basically what it means as well is that they're committed to Nick Suzuki long-term. Obviously they gave him the contract, but now they're kind of rewarding him. Hey, you signed the contract. You're committed to here long-term. It may be rough for a couple more seasons, but when it gets better, you're going to be the face of the franchise. Now I think they're going to start, you're going to see them move a lot of the older guys out. I think Carrie, that's effectively what happened with Carrie Price as well, um, who announced his retirement um, unofficially. I think that's, there was a cryptic Instagram message last week. That's neither here nor there. Um, all in all, though, like I said, I'm happy for Nick Suzuki. Do I agree with the decision? No. Do I care about what the Montreal Canadiens do? Absolutely not, because I'm a Leafs fan and at the same time, too, have suck. But at the end of the day, I'm a sports journalist. I'm a hockey writer, and I have to look at it for what it is. And I'm happy for the kid, and I hope for the best for him. Hope for the team as a whole. Don't hope for the best at all. I'm going to wear my Saku Koivu jersey next week. All right, Griff, uh, I got to get out of here. Let the people know where they can find you and everything that you're doing. Griff Sports Talk on TikTok, everybody. Football TikToks are back. Hockey TikToks are coming in hot. Uh, Mr. Griffin B on Twitter. Mr. Griff B on Instagram. Don't ask. Long story. Griff Griffin. I go by both names. Just different for platform reasons. I don't know why. But anyway, guys, just follow me. Hockey content, football content, betting content. You want fun, entertaining reels, I'm there too. Because guess what? I post reels on TikTok and Instagram. But I also post them on Twitter now too. So if you aren't too familiar and if you only have Twitter, you can see them there too. But guys, follow me because Why? I'm here to help you win money all hockey season long and give you the best analysis you can find anywhere else. And I'm not chained to a network, but I'm chained to the best network. I'm not chained to a major network. I'm chained to the good network. All right, Griff. I appreciate you. We'll see you next week, buddy. Yes, sir. Sounds good. and that's all she wrote for today's show make sure that you go check it out on youtube every day and on twitter at the dean blundell network twitter account at dean blundell net follow me on twitter at dpn dpn underscore ray hit that like button subscribe and all that stuff if you don't have time to watch the whole show get it on podcast on spotify apple podcast google podcast and at deanblundell.com if you have any questions that you want me to answer send it to me over on twitter And that's really all I have left to say. Thanks for tuning in to Ray's Sports Rant. And never forget, you're all legit, kid. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.